Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoy the discussion. My guest today is Diane Strutner, founder and CEO of DataZoom. DataZoom addresses a problem that we've all experienced. We're watching internet video. There's a failure. The challenge is that the provider of that video often doesn't know what's happened, doesn't know how many people it happened to, doesn't know whether or not you're leaving or not based on that problem. And DataZoom addresses that. DataZoom provides tools to monitor what's going on uh, with companies' internet video to address those challenges, to create dashboards and ways of thinking about these challenges from a business perspective and not just from an operations perspective. Nexion Venture Partners is an investor in DataZoom. Uh, we think it's a very exciting company. And I'll let Diane tell the rest. Diane, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the history of DataZoom. Tell us the origin story. Yeah, so um, DataZoom is in the data space, specifically within kind of the media entertainment streaming video uh, vertical. And before starting DataZoom, I spent uh, several years doing the go-to-market strategy and then leading sales for a video analytics company and essentially saw some uh, shortcomings in the market from some of the other platforms, including the one that uh, I used to sell that didn't align with some of the objectives of what companies wanted to be able to do with data, the goals they wanted to accomplish with data. So started DataZoom about three years ago, um, took me a little bit to figure out how to, how to get funding. I uh, think I'm still figuring it out, but become slightly more successful. Um, and now we've been able to start to build a product, sell the product and continue to uh, expand our efforts with the round we just closed. So today, what's the problem set that you're attacking? Who are your customers and what are their challenges? Yeah, so the problem set that we're attacking really is at a high level, um, what companies who push massive amounts of video over the internet are trying to do is figure out how to do that successfully and at scale. Um, And what trade-offs they should be making between cost centers that help to optimize the user experience and balancing that out with how they have sustainable revenue models in this space. So we have companies that are doing subscription um, services, we have uh, ad-supported services, and then we have uh, transactional or pay-per-view type services. Um, Most of the big companies will have subscription or hybrid of advertising or pure advertising, not so much on the transactional side. Um, But we're still getting to the point where uh, we're addressing this shift of we 10 years ago, 15 years ago, no one watched anything online. Um, And there were traditional broadcast media companies working with cable networks and satellite uh, delivery to get video into your home through a set-top box. And the internet has really just expanded to become this place where video is everywhere. It's actually literally 80% of the internet now. Um, and so there's no option but to take video online. And the focus has really been, let's get there. And now companies are starting to try and figure out, how do we do this sustainably? And when you say sustainably, I guess there's an implication that it might not be sustainable now. So uh, for people who are not living and breathing the difficulty 
of delivering internet video. What are the challenges there? Yeah, I mean, I think coming from, uh, there's a few challenges. So so just kind of structurally, um, you, you're coming from a world of, you know, fixed fiber, where you bought capacity, um, you know, you had a fixed, persistent, um, great connection versus having to take a share of the internet where the actual quality and health of the internet um, is fluctuating and changing all the time. So even just making sure the product can get to the end user has gone from something that's, you know, very consistent and repeatable um, to something that is changing on a potentially minute to minute basis. Um, and something else that's changed is that we used to just, you know, subscribe to a, a, a cable or a satellite package that would have, you know, only very big, you know, broadcast uh, uh, companies on there. Um, and there were only so many channels that you had access to. And the, the revenue model of selling advertising was also like, there was no other option but to sell an ad on TV if you wanted to reach the masses, really. Um, and we moved into this world where uh, there are literally thousands of options for where we can watch and stream content. And we're doing it all the time. We're doing it before we fall asleep, as soon as we wake up, you know, while we walk through the house on different types of devices. So the tech, you know, the, the, the technology challenge is massive. It's like way more endpoints that have to be supported. There's an unstable network that's completely adapting and changing it all the time, which is our only method of getting the content there. Um, and then we've also moved to the space where um, we don't have, at least currently, very many, I guess this is developing a bit more, but uh, until recently, there's not been so many options to go to a single portal to get uh, access to a ton of different content. And so one way to um, not have someone paying kind of a pathetic, like, $2 a month or whatever it would be for a very limited amount of content would be to have it be ad supported. But um, the, the the same buyers of traditional advertising are also having to adapt to a shift for how they buy online advertising. The, the, the metrics for demographics and um, even ensuring that the ad is seen and the way and the, the measurement bodies behind that are, are very different in the digital space that they've been in the broadcast space. So all in all, this has been a true upheaval of, of the industry. And I think um, you'd say it's unsustainable today, I think partly because people are still a little lost. Um, and I don't think many of these organizations can see great, if any, ROI from going online. I think we'll start to see that in the next five years. Um, but there's really no other option. It's like go online or, or die. So um, so how we begin to sort all of this out really is through, is through data and measurement. Um, and something that's really unique in the video space is that uh, operational data of understanding the delivery of your product actually becomes business data in this particular case. Um, if you're streaming like a pay-per-view sports event and you know, there's like a very famous, I think it was a wrestling or, or a, a fighting match that went out 
Um, and there were, you know, millions of dollars that had to be refunded and prepaid um, money to actually stream that event. And it was an operational problem that turned into major business effect um, with, uh, with this particular event. So I think that the way that uh, this industry looks at data is changing. I think it's becoming more uh, the, the center of focus. Um, for the first time, we have companies in this space hiring data scientists, moving to the cloud where they can use more sophisticated tools to uh, slice and dice and analyze their data. Um, and I think that um, if we're able to get the data into a meaningful state and connected in a meaningful way, that will be the solution for making this industry even more profitable than traditional broadcast was. And so I'm thinking about the decisions that one might make using better data. So I'm broadcasting video on the internet. I'm an executive. I'm trying to pull various levers or optimize my revenue and decrease my costs. What kind of data are you providing that allows me to make better decisions? I think a good way to frame this would be, uh, you know, when you are watching video between your cell phone and like your big screen TV, uh, one of the decisions that has to be made is what levels of viewing uh, definition do I want to support? Do I want to support 4K? Um, or do I only want to have, you know, lower lower resolution files that I'm going to support? Um, and there's there's always a trade-off between, um, between, in this case, sending a heavier file like 4K over the internet will cost a heck of a lot more than sending a, uh, like a standard definition file. Um, and I think the trade-off is at what point should I be making the decision to, to add 4K content because it's going to add more revenue um, to, to my top line. At the same time, um, am I able to make the decisions that allow me to do cost savings as well? Um, if, if Do I have bit rates that are um, low enough and adequately scoped to show on a screen as small as my, as my phone, right? Um, so I think even when we start very narrowly, we can get to so many types of decisions that get made on a, on a, you know, on a daily basis that have potentially huge impacts when you scale this to potentially millions of viewers who are, who are watching a single, you know, piece of content, right? Um, and I think a challenge that uh, customers have today is that there's tools in the market that focus on measuring the quality of service of your experience as a viewer. For example, um, how long did it take for video to start playing is important. Um, did the video start and stop during playback? Did you get pixelation? Was it blurry when you're trying to watch it? Um, and at some point, we could turn all of those negative metrics to zero, but it would cost a lot. So what is the fine tuning of um, my architecture for the things that I have control over to reach that you know, optimal user experience to maximize sustainable revenue? 
Um, and on, you know, I think the other side of this is uh, when you don't have a great experience or where we think there could be room to improve, um, we don't have a clear understanding of if it was something I could actually control or not. So as an example, you might have the ability to stream 4K, um, but when you watch the types of profiles that people were, were watching and maybe they were maybe as, you know, all standard definition files, um, was there another limiting factor that I wasn't aware of, like the uh, connectivity uh, inside the house on the Wi-Fi network or the last mile of that uh, internet provider um, that could have also been influencing my experience. So I think there's a lot of haziness around um, uh, what companies can be doing to improve and more specifically um, not having access to metrics that are truly meaningful to help them make these, you know, good, these better decisions or any decisions at all. Give us an example of someone you're working with today. What are you doing for them and how do they perceive the value? Yeah. So there's, um, you know, a major sports broadcaster that we work with out in the West coast. Um, they sometimes do the Super Bowl, and they, for example, have, you know, several problems. Sometimes they're, uh, using, uh, multiple systems for, verifying the quality of service of their streams and two different platforms measuring the same thing will come up with completely different results. Um, and so they don't have any source of truth of information about, for example, what your user experience was. Um, but I think even more importantly, let's say, you know, they are at this point streaming the Super Bowl um, and they run into, hey, I have a certain region where customers are experiencing higher, um, you know, rebuffering rates where your video is pausing and, and, and stopping. Um, is that being caused? Where in my delivery supply chain for video is that problem coming from? Is it coming from the application in which the video is playing? Is that having an issue? Is it coming from my content delivery network partner who's supposed to be, you know, uh, distributing my files for me? Are they having networking issues? Is it a last mile issue? So I think the data that they have today doesn't allow them to pinpoint issues well. What we actually have in the world of, you know, especially around live streaming and sports, which is an area that's growing a lot, um, they literally have war rooms where they'll bring these 10 to 20 different vendors who are part of this end-to-end -end experience They'll have representatives sit in the same room or dial in for the event because every single person is looking at data on their own dashboard. And that way, if the data that this customer is looking at uh, about your user experience begins to change, they can go say, has anyone seen a change anywhere? Right. Um, and it's kind of crazy that we're still doing things like that today, that we have not come up with a better system to get a more holistic approach to understanding, um, you know, what's going on and where systems are failing within an end-to-end -end process. That's the system we have today, but that's also the problem, the, the challenging problem that Dave is trying to go after and tackle is how can we um, put together an open and extensible platform that allows someone to use uh, best-of-breed technology vendors that are working within their own silo but have all of these parts work together 
you know, really holistically to create a really great end user experience that means that we're optimizing for um, uh, metrics that help you stay engaged longer with the stream and see more ads and not churn from leaving the platform, but also can help us identify where trade-offs can be made with, you know, a cheaper vendor or um, other configurations of their uh, network, which can help them reduce cost. You talk about creating a data control plane. Flesh out what that means. So um, it's really interesting. Uh, when I previously was selling this video quality of service analytics tool, a question that uh, I was never able to answer. And when I went back to my company, I found out that they weren't able to help me answer either was what do I do when I see something failing? Um, What do I do when I see that buffer is, is increasing? Um, And ultimately there has there should be an action that is taken out of um, data that we're gathering if we're going to be able to get ROI from the process of gathering gathering this information. And what I found was that we take very little action on data today in the space of video. Um, there could be some very high-level strategic changes of plugging vendors in and out. But if you think about it, um, you know, streaming is happening on a second-to-second basis. If you pick up your phone um, to watch, you know, something on the news and the video doesn't start right away, you're going to close the app and go somewhere else. So there's a really low threshold for things to work well. Um, and what we found was that uh, people are not able to be reactionary at all um, because they didn't have good data. They didn't have it in a real time manner. They didn't have all of their data in a centralized place so they could do more meaningful, you know, cross-system analysis. Um, And this led to, you know, no action on data. So in terms of, you know, what, where we are today, um, we are focused on setting, laying the groundwork to have people make more meaningful decisions with data by first helping them have better insight into what's going on. Uh, a data control plane um, is something that helped make Netflix uniquely successful. So when Netflix was first starting out, um, they used some off-the-shelf uh, vendors for, for certain things. But what they brought to the table on their own, being I, people forget sometimes that Netflix is a technology company at the end of the day. And what they brought on their own from their history coming from delivering um, these DVDs was this history of having supply chain management and an operational layer of data to help them detect when their supply chain broke down. And they started applying that same concept to this concept of streaming video to allow them to actually, uh, you know, still use vendors from third parties. And over time, they got, they grew so big so fast and such a differentiated way from their vendors other customers that they just built it in-house, um, that they started with this overlay layer of a system that could gather all the data and then start to tweak things in real time. So things that like Netflix can do that other systems can't or do things like adapt the source files from where you particularly are streaming your content from based upon things like what device you're accessing it from, 
Um, the connectivity speed your device last had when it tried to connect to their service, um, uh, even if you're looking at uh, content that has res- really restrictive content licenses, instead of having you wait for the, the flag to come back to say that, yes, you can access this content, they do things like fractional licenses. Um, so they were able to really improve their service and put data to action really early because they had this data control plane um, uh, pre-built into their platform. For everyone else who, you know, uh, it wouldn't make sense at this point to build a lot of these things in-house. Um, it's so easy to uh, buy these products that scale well um, from third parties uh, that they're, there's not been a company focused on just making sure that all these moving parts operate well together. So at the end of the day, the control plane is what connects all of these systems on an end-to-end basis. And the way that they're going to communicate and talk and update each other is through data. Um, and so DataZoom provides a way for these systems to talk and communicate, but also creates the data standards so that um, we all understand um, essentially what's happening. Diane, we're talking on Friday the 13th, very auspicious, <laughs> of March. A couple of hours ago, a national emergency was declared over coronavirus. I imagine people are going to be watching more internet video. Mm-hmm. What's that going to do to your business? I mean, I think it should be. It's funny because we're, we're at this point where there's a lot of major services that are still to be launching for the rest of this year. So I feel a little bad for the teams that are like, you know, trying to push out major platforms um, like HBO Max and uh, a Peacock streaming services that are coming out. But generally speaking, I think, you know, video is becoming so ingrained in our lives and in our habits um, that in a, in a time like this, where we're literally quarantined into our, into our homes, um, what's I think interesting is that social media, I think it's had a lot of a, a good, a good chunk of their businesses, you know, short form video uh, for people on the go. But when you're stuck in your house, what do you really want to do? You want to go turn on like the latest episode of, I don't know, like the kids baking challenge that I've been watching on Hulu or something like that. You want a little bit more extended content. So I think generally speaking, it's like it's a ripe day for for streaming companies um, and other types of services that, that go with people, you know, literally just staying at home more. And how are you, your team managing this pandemic? How has it impacted either your work environment, your near-term strategy? That's a great question. I actually made a post about this um, earlier on LinkedIn. So I think, you know, we, uh, from when I started DataZoom, I wanted to be able to hire the best people wherever they were located. Um, And I took a risk of starting DataZoom as a remote working company. Um, so for us, working from home is just another day at the quote unquote office. Um, so, you know, I think that we, uh, we personally, it, it won't change how we do much business uh, in, in terms of our internal communication, how we get, you know, product shipped and, and how we support our customers. Um, we've been, living uh, this in, in, in this operating procedure for, for a couple of years now. Um, but I think that it will mean that for other companies, especially those that we work with, um, who are used to having a center of 
you know, operations and getting people on the phone who are going to the office from their vendor companies when things go wrong. Um, I think that there is more adaptation that will be required. I actually think that is a, a unique opportunity for for a lot better analytics and data to be used to solve the problem of what can we do when we can't bring people into the same room or onto the same call. Well, we use, I think, a pretty good service to record these podcasts. There was a tiny blip I heard in the service just now, and hopefully they'll get on data Zoom <laughs> shortly and that will be addressed. But Diane, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for sharing the vision of data Zoom and appreciate it. Yeah, time. thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. Any opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.